Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. Let's turn our attention to Malaysia, Abby. Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim has made some significant changes to his cabinet. What do you make of this? Well, Michael, it's clear that Anwar is responding to growing public concern about Malaysia's economic situation. He's promised to focus on the economy, health, and education. This reshuffle seems like a strategic move to... To regain public trust, right? And it seems he's pulling in some heavy hitters. Amir Hamza Azizan, the former CEO of Malaysia's biggest pension fund as second finance minister, that's a statement. Absolutely, and he's not stopping there. Mohammad Hassan, formerly of the Defense Ministry, is moving to the Foreign Ministry. And Fadila Yusuf, a deputy prime minister, is taking on a newly created post of energy transition and public utilities minister. Interesting moves indeed. And let's not forget the return of veteran politician Johari Abdul Ghani to the cabinet. He's taking on the commodities portfolio. It seems Anwar is bringing in experienced hands to tackle these issues. And it seems necessary. A recent survey by the Merdeka Center found that 60% of Malaysians feel the country is going in the wrong direction, with the economy being a major concern. This reshuffle might be a response to that sentiment, don't you think? Yes, it does seem so. But let's not forget, Anwar's support has been waning due to the slow pace of reform and broader concerns about the economy. This cabinet reshuffle is not just a change in personnel, but a signal of his intent to tackle these issues head-on. Do you think this will be enough to boost public confidence? That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? With the cabinet now increased to 60 ministers and deputies, it's a larger team, but the proof will be in the pudding, as they say. It's all about whether these changes will translate into effective action on the ground. Right, and with the economy being the nation's biggest problem, according to nearly four out of five Malaysians, Anwar has a tough road ahead. But it's clear he's not shying away from making bold moves. Absolutely. It's a critical time for Malaysia, and the world will be watching to see how these new appointments and Anwar's leadership navigate the challenges ahead. From one political landscape to another, let's now shift our gaze from the domestic politics of Malaysia to the international stage. We're heading over to the United States where a significant diplomatic encounter is about to take place. It involves a key Eastern European leader and the U.S. Congress. Stay tuned as we delve into this intriguing development. Abby, let's shift our focus to international politics. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is due on Capitol Hill. Remember the hero's welcome he received last year? Well, things might be a bit different this time. Indeed, Michael. Zelensky's visit comes at a critical juncture as he seeks continued military aid from the U.S. But he's facing resistance in Congress, and even some of his allies are expressing concerns about the costs of continuing to fight Russia. Zelensky and his Western backers have been arguing that Putin's Russia is not only a threat to European borders, but also to democratic governments that dare to oppose dictators. But the question is, will this argument sway Congress this time around? That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? And it's not just about the immediate costs of military aid. There's also the question of what this means for the U.S.'s long-term strategy in the region. It's a complex issue, and I'm sure Zelensky is aware of the challenges. This is a critical moment for Ukraine, 
and Zelensky's address to Congress could be decisive in shaping the future of U.S.-Ukraine relations. Absolutely. And let's not forget the broader implications here. This isn't just about Ukraine and Russia. It's about the balance of power in Europe and the role of the U.S. in maintaining that balance. Well put, Abby. This is a story we'll be watching closely. Zelensky's address to Congress could have far-reaching implications, not just for Ukraine, but for the international community as a whole. From the international stage, let's pivot back to the home front. As we watch the unfolding political drama in Ukraine, another political scenario is brewing right here in the U.S., one that could potentially shape our own democratic landscape. Let's delve into a topic that's been making headlines recently, which is the speculation around a possible return to the White House in 2024. Well, Abby, it seems the political world is abuzz with speculation about a potential second Trump presidency even before the 2024 primaries have begun. Indeed, Michael. Journalists have been exploring this what-if scenario in depth, with the New York Times and The Atlantic being particularly active in this discussion. The Times team has been investigating the implications of a second Trump term since summer, focusing on Trump's authoritarian tendencies and the potential for decreased checks on his power. They've even raised questions about whether Trump would leave NATO. And The Atlantic recently released a special issue collecting essays on the potential impacts of another Trump presidency on various sectors, including foreign policy, immigration, and climate change. But it's not just those two outlets. The Washington Post, Associated Press, and Politico have all published pieces on the potential consequences of a second Trump term. There's even speculation about who might fill key roles in a second Trump administration. However, it's worth noting that the Trump campaign has called for caution, labeling messages about a potential second term from anyone but Trump and his team as an unwelcome distraction. But the stakes are high. As David Halbfinger, politics editor at The Times, pointed out, journalists now cover democracy itself, not just elections. And with Trump's continued popularity and the detailed planning by his allies for a return to power, these stories are gaining traction. Absolutely. This surge in what NYU journalism professor Jay Rosen calls stakes journalism is a response to the potential consequences of another Trump term. As Trump's rhetoric about retribution intensifies and his challengers fail to dent his popularity, the narrative about threats to democracy becomes more plausible. And yet, there's a divide in how this coverage is received. Rosen and Margaret Sullivan, host of the podcast American Crisis, Can Journalism Save Democracy?, are calling for more of this type of reporting, while Trump supporters see it as a biased portrayal of a potential Trump victory. Yes, there's certainly a debate about the role of the media in this. Some see it as a necessary examination of the potential consequences of a second Trump term, while others view it as an attempt to undermine Trump. Either way, it's clear that the possibility of Trump 2.0 is a topic that's not going away anytime soon. And it's a topic that, as journalists, we must continue to probe and question. After all, our job is to inform the public, to provide context and understanding. Whether people choose to listen or not, we must continue to do our job and... Absolutely, Michael. And as we continue this discussion, it's crucial to remember that the focus should always be on the potential impact on our democracy, regardless of the political figure at the center of the conversation. Speaking of President Trump... 
let's shift gears and delve into a different aspect of his post-presidency life. The upcoming trial of the former president is garnering attention for its innovative approach to evidence. Let's get into the details. Let's pivot to the upcoming trial of former President Donald Trump, where it seems like the special counsel, Jack Smith, is planning a rather unique strategy. Abby, what can you tell us about this? Well, Michael, it's all about data. The special counsel's office stated in a court filing that they plan to call up to three data experts as witnesses. These experts will present technical information about where and when certain electronic devices were used or when specific apps were accessed on a phone. So we're talking about using data to paint a timeline of events, correct? That's quite an innovative approach. That's right, Michael. One of the experts, for example, will use data from a White House cell phone, which Trump used to identify when the phone was unlocked and the Twitter app was open on January 6. This could provide a clear timeline of Trump's activities during that critical day. Interesting. And it's not just about Trump's activities on January 6th, is it? They're also looking at what happened in the aftermath of the 2020 presidential election, including images found on the phones and websites visited. Exactly. And the other two experts will use similar phone data to show the crowd's movement on January 6th during and after Trump's speech at the Ellipse near the White House. This could give the jury a clearer picture of the events that unfolded that day. This approach, using data to track movements and actions, it's almost like a digital fingerprint, isn't it? And it's fascinating how it's being used in such a high-profile trial. But Abby, what does this mean for the future of trials like this? Are we going to see more of this kind of data-driven prosecution? It's a possibility, Michael. As our lives become more digital, the evidence used in trials is likely to reflect that. It's a new frontier in legal proceedings, and it will be interesting to see how it develops. But it's also raising questions about privacy and the extent to which our digital lives can be scrutinized. That's a valid point, Abby. While this data can provide crucial evidence, it's also a reminder of how much of our lives are recorded and accessible. It's a delicate balance between the pursuit of justice and the preservation of privacy. It's a conversation we'll need to keep having as technology continues to evolve and... And as we navigate these new waters, right? It's a fine line and one we'll have to tread carefully. But for now, it's clear that data is playing a pivotal role in this trial. And it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds.